to the Last Gen Podcast brought to you by Miracle Word Ministries. These episodes are specifically created with students in mind. More than ever before, we must know why we believe what we believe, build strong faith, and stay on fire for God. We know that Jesus is coming soon, and we're going to live like this is the last generation. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey everyone, this is Alex Iaquinto on behalf of Miracle Word Ministries. You're listening to The Last Gen Podcast. So great to have you back on today. I'm excited for today's episode because it's going to be different, a lot different than what we usually do. So usually I come on here and I'm I'm sitting at a desk or probably in my car to be honest, as I am right now um, in Horseheads, New York. But I wanted to do something a little bit interesting, a little bit different for this week. So backstory, um, last week, my uncle preached in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, and we were there for a week long revival Monday through or Sunday through Friday. And it was a powerful, powerful meeting. Everyone was getting touched. The Holy Spirit was moving. And so, um, the plan was we were going to go Sunday through Friday. And then on Saturday morning, we were all going to drive up here to, uh, upstate New York, where here in Ithaca, we have another revival plan where my uncle is now preaching. So the plan was we were all going to go together um, up. It's about a five-hour drive to to New York. But right when we got to Fitchburg, um, the Lord started speaking to the pastor of the church, of Crossroads Community Church. His name is Pastor Brian Tomes, a great church, great pastor. And um, he started speaking to him, and he, and the Lord told him to have me stay back and uh, do a what what he called a youth explosion, and uh, so he invited me to stay back and and stay in Fitchburg for a little bit longer to preach one night at um, what they usually have is called Super Sunday, where they do Sunday morning, obviously, and then they come back for a Sunday night blowout service. And he had me come preach at that, and he, we geared it towards youth and adults. And so. I was so honored that that he had me speak. I mean, I, I, I realized that a lot of great men of God have stood on that stage and preached to that church, and it's it's in a f- phenomenal church. So I don't take that for granted. So, um, you know, I said yes, obviously, and um, and so I stayed back. We preached it, and it was a it was a great service. I wanted to give you a taste of what that service was like. So I'm gonna bring you into a live service that just happened. Um, at Crossroads Community Church. And so obviously it's going to be a little bit different. I'm not teaching in this podcast, but it, it's going to be more preaching. But I want you to press in. Think about how, what, what, what do you want from God? Don't think, oh, this is just, I'm listening to a, a service that just happened. But I want you to think, what am I believing God for? Because God can minister to you through a, a preaching that happened years ago or that happened months ago. You know, God has no limits in time. So while you're listening to this, I mean, the Holy Ghost moved powerfully in this service. So while you're listening to this, I want you to get your faith engaged. I want you to believe that the Holy Spirit is going to touch you in a way that you've been believing for. So I'm taking you into a live service. This is Fitchburg, Massachusetts. And, um, I hope you enjoy. I will see you on the other side. You know, they said these days are over. They said the days of youth being on fire for God are over. 
but I'm looking at a room full of youth that are hungry for God, that don't care who's next to them, that don't care who's beside them, but say, God, I will be anointed with fresh oil. Hallelujah. Someone say, it's going to be a different kind of night. It's going to be a different kind of night. Stay in the anointed, but you could be seated. Well, if you don't know, my name's Alex. Thank you. Like it's an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. Hi, Alex. I'm so honored to be here. I really am. I don't take for granted what this is. I, I, I am so grateful that not only did the Lord speak to your pastor, but that he obeyed. And that I can tell, I was telling Pastor Charlie and Pastor Erica on the way over. Come on. I was telling them on the way over, this was ordained by God. And if it was ordained by God, what if it was ordained just for you? What if God wanted to get through to you? So we put this whole thing on just to give you a touch. I want you to treat it like that. Like this is for me. If nobody else gets touched, I'm going to get touched. If nobody else gets free, I'm going to get free. If nobody else gets healed, I'm going to get healed. Amen? How many know me from my uncle's ministry? The last gen. How many, how many know me from the last gen? Okay, so a few people. That's all right. Well, we started the last gen podcast about, I would say, not even a year ago. And we started it because we realized that there is a hunger in this generation. There it is right there. You can see, like, the bottom of Evangelist Preston's chin right there. Like, they, they didn't edit that out or anything. Um... <laughs> We realize that there's a hunger in this generation, and we're not going to let this generation go to hell. We're not going to allow it. I mean, as long as I'm on this earth, I'm not going to see this generation go to hell. My generation. I'm not going to let the devil steal your peace, steal your joy, steal, steal your freedom, steal your health. I'm not going to allow it. And neither is my uncle, neither is my aunt. So we put this together. It's called The Last Gen. You can follow us on Instagram. And then, and then listen to the podcast. Every week, every single Tuesday, we release an episode, a podcast episode. Um, and they're not like, you know, we're, we're going to learn how to make whipped coffee today. No, 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 no. These will teach you how to, how to get on fire and then how to stay on fire. Amen? So now that I got all the announcements out of the way, which is the worst part to me, anyways... I want everyone to open in your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5. You know, there's a quote from a great man of God. His name is Reinhard Bonnke. He was the greatest evangelist probably to ever live in this earth. There was one night where he preached a crusade in Africa. 
and 1.01 million people, not attended, came to the altar to be saved as a first-time decision for Jesus Christ. This guy was serious. I mean, he's no joke. And so he had this quote, and it really stirred me up. He said this, Bread is always relevant to a starving person. Bread is always relevant to a starving person. And you know, you know, they have, I was saying, saying this the other night, they have whole conferences put together. How do we reach this generation? How do we reach this generation? What games does it take? What events does it take? What giveaways does it take? And all those things are good. The smoke and the lights, whatever. But what I've really found is that it does not take a pair of Yeezys. It does not take a cool game. It does not take ripped jeans. It does not take trying to be relevant to reach this generation. Why? Because bread is always relevant to a starving man. The Holy Ghost is always relevant to the person sitting on the edge of their bed contemplating suicide. The Holy Ghost is always relevant to the girl who just got broken up with and now she's thinking of ending it all. The Holy Ghost is always relevant to a boy that grew up sick and they said, you'll never be healed. You'll never be free. You're always going to deal with this. The Holy Ghost is always relevant to those addicted to pornography. No matter what generation it is, the Holy Ghost is relevant to your situation. Can you say amen? amen. And so now we've got people pastors who are not like your pastors. You guys are blessed to have these types of pastors. I, I, just want, I, just want, I just want you to understand that. They're trying to be so relevant to reach this generation that they discard the Holy Ghost. I never want to be like that. You know, I had a youth pastor. I won't tell you his name. He, he told me, and, and he, he was a uh, trying to mentor me. His heart was in the right place. You know, he loved God, but he told me, he was like Alex, and he was trying to mentor me. You know, he knew I was called into the ministry. He knew I had a passion for God. I had a passion to preach. And he said, Alex, you know, in this generation, we have to understand that there are buckets of importance, right? So in the first bucket are the things that are so important. Nobody argues on them. So we should focus all our attention on preaching those things, right? And then we've got bucket two. We've got things that are debated, things that, you know, people, people disagree about, and those things we try to stay away from. Then we've got bucket three, which are more controversial. And then we've got bucket four, which really, there's so much controversy on it that you should never bring it up. And so he said in the first bucket, the most important, salvation through Jesus Christ. Holiness. I'm like, yeah, that's right. He said in the second bucket, there's end time Bible prophecy. I was like, all right, you know. Third bucket, there's some things. And he said, now in the fourth bucket, there's things that really are just irrelevant and, and just cause confusion. He said in that bucket, there's things like, what are the seven spirits of God and the Holy Spirit? I said, hold up. The Holy Spirit. I didn't realize you had the authority to put God in bucket four. I didn't realize you could kick the head of the church out of his own church. I didn't realize you could do church without the Holy Ghost. Because when man tries to build their own thing, it quickly dies. Then all you're left with is hype and a cool game and some good giveaways. But that never lasts. 
That doesn't fix depression. That doesn't fix anxiety. That doesn't fix the fentanyl problem in America. That doesn't fix the prescription pill problem in America. That will never fix anything. But the Holy Ghost will. And I pretty much made up my mind. If religious people are going to do one thing, I'm going to do the complete opposite. Don't have long services. Uh Uh-oh. Don't worry, I'm not going to keep you too long. (laughs) Don't talk about the Holy Spirit. You better believe I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. Don't name sin by name. You better believe that's what I'm going to do. Don't call anyone to repentance. Don't have public altar calls. I want you to read this with me. Paul prophesied to Timothy that in the last days, there would be people having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. They have the form of godliness, but they deny the power. And then he says this, avoid such people. I don't get along well with people that don't like the Holy Ghost. I don't get along well with people that make fun of the Holy Ghost. I'm Holy Ghost or nothing. I believe that this generation and your generation, it doesn't matter what it is, but this generation is hungry for something real. They've had fake pushed down their throat for far too long. I know I'm sick of it. I'm sick of hearing about a healer that never heals. I'm sick about hearing about a deliverer that never delivers. I'm sick about hearing about miracles and never seeing it. I want something real. Everyone say real. real. That's the only thing. I mean, if I look back on my life and I, and I can like pinpoint, Alex, why'd you get into ministry? What, what's your motivation? What, what gets you going? I can remember growing up, I saw two types of Christians. I saw the first Christian. They were nice and everything. They loved the Lord. They preached on Jesus. They're so, they've got nice services. They've got traditional services. Everything flowed well. There was no disturbance at all. (laughs) But sick people came into the meetings and left sick. Depressed people went into meetings and left depressed. And then I saw another type of minister. And I remember when I was 12 years old, I was sitting at what they called Uproar Conference. How many have been to Uproar Conference? Up in Horseheads, New York, where my uncle is preaching right now. And so I remember I was sitting about right there. I was sitting on the edge of my seat. And my uncle was preaching. And there was just something different about that night. He was preaching. But not only was he preaching, he was then demonstrating. He preached that Jesus was a healer. And then he laid hands on the sick and they got healed. He preached that Jesus would fill you with the Holy Ghost, and then he laid hands on someone, and they got filled with the Holy Ghost. And I started to realize, hold up, this isn't just some form of religion. This is real. There's a real power to Christianity. And I made up my mind long ago, I'm not going to be the first type of Christian that have an appearance of godliness. You know, I talk about Jesus, but deny the power. I want the power of the Holy Ghost. How many want the fire of God? I'm sick of religion. I'm sick of fake Christianity. I need something real, something that's going to pull you out of your situation. 
And basically, I just got ticked off. Sometimes the Lord will reveal something to you that ticks you off in your spirit, in your spirit, and he wants you to solve that problem. He, he's anointed you to solve that. So I saw a problem. I said, hold on. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about the Holy Spirit, but nothing's happening. And you know, it reminds me, there's a verse that, that has become my life verse, I believe. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 4, if you could put it up on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 4. This is what Paul said when, he, when he's talking about the Corinthians. My speech and my message were not in plausible words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration, everyone say demonstration, demonstration. of the spirit and power. So when someone preaches on the Holy Spirit, it's not so that we can learn more. It's not so we can go, go back home and say, oh, wasn't that a nice message? No, if someone's preaching on the Holy Ghost, it's because God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. There should be some demonstration. Because talk is cheap. But when you see the real manifestation of the Holy Ghost, there's nothing that can convince you that God's not real. I mean, I've seen too much. If the devil thought he was going to convince me that God's not real, he should have taken me out long ago. Because I've seen too many blind people healed. I've seen too many deaf people healed. I've seen too many people filled with the Holy Spirit. I've seen too many people that thought they should have been dead by suicide now preaching the gospel. I've seen too much. I'm not going around with this lie that God is dead. I can see that he's alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I want you to set your faith. Tonight, I'm not leaving bound. Tonight, I'm not leaving in that bondage of sin. Tonight, I'm not leaving depressed anymore or anxious anymore. And so I, I always knew that I was called into ministry. And, you know, I, I always knew that I was called to be an evangelist because I, I heard clearly, do what he's doing. And he was talking about my uncle. And so I knew, evangelist. And it's the funniest thing. I would say to the Lord things like this. Lord, thank God I'm not called to be a youth pastor. Thank God I'm not called to preach just to youth. Because I thought, you know, I love youth and all, but I never had a passion for our generation. I thought, you know, God was going to use me to, to, to shake older people, I guess. But I, but I would say things like, thank God I'm not a youth pastor. That looks exhausting. Well, you should be careful what you say to God. Because he made me a youth pastor. And he called me to youth. And, and so I thought, like, what was it? I was thinking back, what was it that, like, put this fire in me? And I remember it was last year, 2021. I was just doing what the Lord was calling me to do. I was still in high school at that point. And, uh, you know, I, I just knew I was called to preach in general. And so the Lord said something crazy to me. He said something insane. At 17 years old, he said, hey, Alex. I want you to hold a three-day youth crusade in Virginia Beach. I want you to rent out a church by yourself. I want you to preach by yourself. I want you to do giveaways by yourself. I thought, oh, goodness. Oh, Lord. 
I didn't know that I could do it. But I was obedient to the Lord, and, and I put it on. You know, it, it, it cost money, but God brought it in. And, and I did what the Lord called me to do. But I got to the thing. I got to the crusade. And, you know, there's people there. There's, there's youth. Not, not as many as are here tonight because tonight's going to be a blowout. But, but there, there were people there. And I was, like, I was like, Lord, I don't even feel called to youth. But here you, you called me to do a youth crusade. And so I got up and I preached. And I remember the Lord had me preach on Jesus the deliverer the first night. And I preached. Jesus can deliver you. Jesus can deliver you from de depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, sin, slavery, sickness. And I preached it. And I just remember, there's one point in my life where I remember looking over. I was on, I was on the platform right here. And I had the altar call. I said, now I want everyone who is depressed, anxious, or suicidal to come right here and you're going to get free. Did you know that's the biggest altar call we ever had? And I saw people lined up across the altar who were thinking of killing themselves. And really, at that moment, I realized I got a holy anger in my spirit. The devil is pushing on this generation. Did you know that suicide is up in such, such large numbers that even professionals can't even understand why it's happening? Depression is up in such large numbers that... The, the experts in the field have no idea why that's happening. And the Lord put an anger in me about what the devil is doing. The devil wants to take you out. The Bible says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. And I remember just then, I remember I got this feeling. God has called me to set those people free. And that feeling never left me. Every time I see a young person depressed, every time I see a young person anxious, suicidal, even sickness and disease, it gets on my nerves. Because I realize this isn't a natural thing. You know, people want to make it out to be like, oh, all these things, they're just, you know, it's a chemical imbalance. It's just a chemical. You were born with it in the brain. You'll never be free because that's how you were made. That's how God wanted you. Let me tell you, that's not how God wanted you. God wanted you to be free. He wanted you to live in joy. He wanted you to live in peace. And it's the devil that does these things. But I've got good news tonight. Jesus can set you free. The Holy Spirit, it doesn't take him a whole lifetime to set you free. It takes one night, one moment where you say, Lord, it's just you and me. I'm not going to leave here until you bless me. Hallelujah. I want you to get, get your faith up. It's going to be a different kind of night. 1 Samuel chapter 5. 1 Samuel chapter 5. And I'm going to start reading in the first verse. First Samuel 5, when the Philistines captured the ark of God, they brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Now, the Philistines were the enemy of, of God, the enemy of Israel, their arch nemesis. You, you know who came out of Philistia? Goliath. They were the enemies of God. They would mock God. 
mock his power. Your, your God can't save you. Your God can't deliver you. They'd mock the armies of God. And so the Philistines captured the ark of God. Now I want you to understand, the ark of God, we talk about the ark of the covenant, and people don't really have a concept of that. Unless you've seen like Indiana Jones, you think, oh, that's, you know, that's the ark of the covenant. And, but really, you have to understand that the ark of the covenant was a small box. It wasn't big. Small box, about this big. And it housed the glory of God, the presence of God, lived in that ark. The Spirit of God lived in that ark. And when the Israelites put it on their shoulder and marched into battle, every enemy would be defeated. Why? Because they've got the ark of God. They've got the Spirit of God, the anointing of God. And so the Philistines captured the ark. And they brought it to Ebenezer, from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Then the Philistines took the ark and brought it into the house of Dagon and set it up beside Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, behold, Dagon had fallen face first on the ground. Dagon was their demon god. Dagon was a big statue that they had in their demonic temple. And they took the ark of God in there and they set it up almost as if to mock the anointing. Almost as if to say, your, your little box is no match for our big God. Your little box isn't any match for our big demonic God. And so they put it next to the Ark of Dagon, or to Dagon. And something funny happened. In the middle of the night, the Ark of God was sit, sitting there doing nothing, and the statue of Dagon standing there. And in the middle of the night, the anointing that's in that box started to take down that statue. And when the Philistines woke up, Dagon had fallen face first before the ark of God. And so they thought, oh, that's weird. What a coincidence. So they took, they took Dagon, set him back up. I, be, I guess a wind blew through. That's not what happened. And so they thought, okay, you know, we're going to leave it. And then the next day, they woke up again. And Dagon not only fell face first before the ark, when he fell face first, bowing down to the ark, they found they came in, the hands were cut off. The head was cut off. That means the anointing took down every enemy of God. Everything that thought they were going to make a mockery of God, God made a mockery of. Let me tell you, anything in your life that the devil thought he was going to use to use to make a mockery of God and his power. If it's a sickness, you'll never be healed. If it's depression, you'll never be free. You're always going to be like this. Anxiety, you're always going to have these anxiety attacks. God is going to make a mockery of the devil. And the things that once bound you are now going to be a testimony of God's goodness. If you believe that, shout amen. And so people thought, oh, that ark's amazing. Well, yeah, it's amazing, but you have to understand something. That the ark of God was not special because it was a box. The ark of God was special because the spirit of God lived in the ark. The spirit of God, and when the spirit of God was living in that ark, that demonic God had to bow down before the anointing, before the spirit of God, because every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. 
But it's not just, oh, that's so great, the, the box. I wish we had the Ark of the Covenant today. No, 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 you got something better. Say something better. Something better. That's me. That's me. Because the Bible says, oh, man, the Bible says the same spirit that was in that ark, the same spirit that was hovering over the waters in the book of Genesis, the same spirit that breathed life into that man, Adam, and made him a living thing, that same spirit that was in the ark of the covenant that led the Israelites to victory, that same spirit that overshadowed Mary and caused her to give birth as a virgin, the same spirit that caused Jesus to do such mighty miracles, the same spirit that rose Jesus up from the dead, he dwells in you and he'll quicken your mortal body. Someone shout the same spirit. The same spirit. Not Holy Spirit Jr., not little Holy Spirit, not the, not the spin-off Holy Spirit, the same Spirit. And if it did that to Jesus, if it brought him up from the dead, if it shook his body back to life, what can he do for you tonight? What can he do for your situation tonight? When the Spirit of God comes into a place, you know it. Because it's not like religion. It's not like a sad, somber song. It's like a fire. The Bible says that our God is a consuming. Our God is a consuming. And when the Holy Spirit comes in, he does two things. Everyone say two things. Number one, he burns out. Say that. Number one, he burns out. He burns out every wicked thing in your life that was sent to destroy you. He takes his fire and he burns it out by the Spirit of God. And number two, he burns in. He burns in a supernatural boldness for God. A supernatural boldness to take your generation for Jesus. A supernatural boldness to do what he's called you to do. And when, when the Ark of the Covenant was there, he was showing us a picture. That demon God that thought he was so big, that demon God that thought he had a grip on that city, he came crashing down. You know what that means? Get ready for depression to crash down in your school. Get ready for suicide to plummet in your school. Get ready for sickness and disease to plummet in your generation. Get ready for the fire of the Holy Ghost to burn out every wicked thing. Shout hallelujah. There's nothing like our God. There is no one like our God. Hallelujah. He'll burn out any wicked thing sent to destroy you, sent to destroy your family, alcoholism. Well, you know, my parents are alcoholics, so I hope I don't, get, I don't, I don't become an alcoholic. You know, it is a gene. It's, it's, it, it runs in the blood. No, it'll burn out with you. Burn out. Well, you know, type 2 diabetes does run in my family, and so now i got to get checked. No, no, no. It burns out. 
when the fire of the Holy Ghost comes upon you, there's no wicked thing that can hold you anymore. If death couldn't hold Jesus when the Holy Spirit came into the tomb, what can hold you when the Holy Spirit comes into your life? What has the nerve to hold you? Someone say nothing. 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 And I began to get ticked off. Who does the devil think he is? Trying to take our generation. One of my best friends, her name is Lauren. She's probably watching right now. Hello, Lauren. Look, I made it. I'm on TV. She's probably watching right now. And her testimony gets me stirred up, man. By the way, hi, mom and dad. I know, you know. Big shot, made it, you know. They, they said I'd never make it, but I'm here. And so, Lauren, I'm sure she doesn't mind me sharing her testimony. I've done it multiple times. But Lauren was at a point in her life about two years ago, three years ago, where she thought it was over. She thought this is the end of my life. She had bought into the lie that she wasn't worth it, that her life didn't hold any value anymore, that she didn't know who she was, so she might as well just end it all. And so the devil's lying to her, telling you should just end it right now. Nobody would even notice if you were gone. And so she started thinking about that. You know, she wasn't saved. She'd grown up in church, but only saw religion. And so she tells this story. One night, she was in her room, sitting on the edge of her bed. And she said, you know what? This is going to be the night where I end it all. I'm not going to live past tonight. That's what her thought was. And so she was thinking about ways to kill herself. She was thinking about ways. How, how do I do this in the best way to be most respectful to my parents? And she said, I'm not living past tonight. It's over. And she says, by, the, by a miracle... I went to sleep. She just went to sleep. And the next morning she woke up and surprised that she's even alive. And she gets a call from her friend. Hey, a preacher's coming through town. Why don't you come to church? So she thought, okay, I mean, what have I got to lose, you know? I mean, what, what do you have to lose when you're about to kill, your, kill yourself? So she was like, okay, I'll go. So she went to that wild Pentecostal meeting, wild preacher, Talking about the Holy Ghost, name Evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Just very wild, so loud. Was just chaos in the service and everything. That's what she thought. She thought, who is this preacher? And so my, my uncle's preaching. He's preaching real hard about, you know, the power of God, the power of God to set you free. And so he's preaching this whole message like I am right now. And he stops in the middle of his message, and he says, you know what? The Holy Spirit's telling me to do something. He gets up on here, and I, he says, everyone who is plagued with depression and anxiety, with thoughts of suicide, come to the front right now. And so she, she, she thought, again, I've got nothing to lose. I might as well just go up there. And so she goes up there, not thinking really anything's going to happen. And so she goes up there, and my uncle, he's laying hands on people. And you know, he's not like... He's not like, blessed, blessed, blessed. No, 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 no. 
He's laying hands on people. So he goes down the line, be free, be free, be free in Jesus' name, be free. And every single one, depression was lifting off their shoulders. Every single one. So he got down the line. He's going down the line. He gets to my friend Lauren, and he lays his hands on Lauren. And so not knowing what's going to happen, she's lifting her hands. And she said, she said, when he laid hands on me, it's like a 20,000 pound backpack lifted off my shoulders. And now she's preaching the gospel today. The devil thought he had her. He, th he, he thought her life was over. He thought by now she'd give up. He thought he had no more. But that's when someone greater stepped into her situation. The fire of the Holy Ghost. What else can do that? Prescription medication? Therapy? Only the Holy Spirit can save someone's life. Reminds me of a song that I like. It goes like this. The devil thought he had me. Thought that my life was over. He thought by now I'd give up. He thought I had no more. But that's when someone greater stepped into my situation. That's when someone greater stepped into my situation. You know, the, God will will break you out of something in such a way that once the thing that the devil would use as a symbol of your bondage will now turn and be a testimony of his goodness. What do I mean by that? How many are wearing a cross necklace on them right now? Cross necklace? And you know, people, people have a problem with that that are not Christians. You know, atheists will say, why do you guys wear a cross necklace around your around your neck. Don't you know it's an execution method? Like we're supposed to be all surprised. Like, oh, wasn't there to tickle him? <laughs> I mean, they're like, they're like mad. Like, what if you were wearing a gun around your neck? What if you were wearing an electric chair around your neck? It's practically the same thing. And you know why I like it? You know why I like the symbol of the cross? You know why I like the fact that Christians wear that around their neck? Because the cross was the devil's symbol. He thought he had him. He thought his life was over. He thought he won. The Bible has, it's the coolest verse in the whole Bible, I swear. If the rulers of this world knew what they were doing, they would have never crucified our Lord. If the devil knew what was good for him, he would have never crucified Jesus. Because just when the devil thought he won his greatest victory, just when the devil thought, oh, I killed the son of God. I win. He thought he won. And when Jesus was up on that cross, I bet the devil was having a party. Look what I did. Just standing by it. Look what I did. Anyone have a dad that once he builds something, he's super proud of it? Like he, he builds the, the, the table and he's just standing there like waiting for someone to give him a compliment. You see that? See what I did? No instructions. I bet the devil was so proud. He thought, I killed the son of God. But what he didn't realize, what the devil didn't realize, that that symbol of the cross that he thought that was going to be a symbol of Christianity's defeat for the rest of eternity, that symbol of the cross turned into the symbol of our victory. Now we don't look at it and we get sad. We wear it around our neck and say, devil, you thought you had him. You thought you won. But that's when someone greater stepped into my situation. Woo! How many are happy that the devil is defeated? 
Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. If you believe that, shout amen. amen. Hallelujah. And the devil will do the same thing for you. He'll do the same thing for you tonight. Maybe there's a symbol of defeat in your life. Maybe it is a prescription pill bottle. Every time you look at it, the devil says, you're never going to be free. Every time you look at it, you'll have that all your life. You're going to always have to take that twice a day. You know, that's what the doctor said. And he'll tell things like that to your mind. Maybe it's pornography addiction. Anytime you think about it, the devil says, you're always going to be bound. You'll never be free. Imagine what would happen if people knew. Maybe it's a brace. Devil said, you were born with this. You were born with that back problem. You'll never be free. You'll never be healed. And every time you looked at it, you felt shame, thinking the devil won. Let me tell you, God has a funny way of taking what the enemy meant for evil and turning it for good. So now, when you look at that prescription pill bottle, now it's not, look how the devil got me. Now it's, look how Jesus set me free. Now, when you look at that brace, it's not, look how the devil has me with sickness. It's, look how Jesus healed me. And the thing that everyone looked at you and said, you're just the addict. You're just the depressed person. You're just the anxious person. Now you're going to look at them and say, yeah, it used to be. I used to be like that. But now this is a symbol, a public testimony to the devil's defeat in my life. Hallelujah. You're not leaving here bound. You're not leaving here depressed. You're not leaving here sick. Why? Because the fire of the Holy Ghost is going to burn out any wicked thing that the devil thought. He had the nerve to believe that that was going to be your downfall. What's the devil going to do when that thing becomes a testimony to his defeat? What's the devil going to do? What's your school going to do when they knew you before? They knew you as the addict. But what's your school going to do when you're walking around preaching the gospel? What's your school going to do? What are your friends going to do? When they knew you as the person who was born with that sickness, the disabled person, you know, the devil likes to put labels on you, make you feel bad. I want everyone to turn. Acts chapter 3. Good Lord, where'd my Bible go? Thank you, Pastor Charlie. Appreciate it. I just threw it down and didn't even. Acts chapter 3. Because the disciples had this fire. This isn't something, I want you to understand something. This, this fire I'm talking about, the Holy Ghost, it's not an Assemblies of God thing. It's not because we're just in a wild church that likes to preach wild things. That's not why we do this. The baptism of the Holy Ghost isn't a Pentecostal thing. It's a Jesus thing. It was Jesus who said, I will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. It's not just for some, the, the weirdos of Christianity, the people who like to jump a little bit higher and, and dance a little bit more. No, no, no. It's Jesus taking his power and baptizing you in the Holy Ghost and fire. And the disciples had it, man. You'd be shocked. I mean, if the modern American Christian who grew up in the modern average American youth group, which isn't this youth group, by the way, no, no, no. You guys are like the book of Acts. If the modern American Christian 
went back in time to the book of Acts, they would have said, oh, Lord, they're not doing everything decently and in order. (laughs) They're not being Christ-like. You know, they probably say that to Jesus. Jesus, who everyone thinks was always just such such a humble, nice. I mean, he was humble. He was nice. He was loving. But there was another side to Jesus that saw something that ticked his spirit off, braided a whip, his own whip. I mean, your mom's been mad at you before, but has she ever braided her own whip? (laughs) Taken that whip and driven you out of a room, flipping over the tables, you know? People would look at that and say, Jesus, that's not Christ-like. Speaking to the Christ. That's not Jesus-like. Use a quieter voice and be nice all the time. You weren't called to always be nice. You were called to be loving, sure. But love is not some, some depressed, just cuddles, nice cuddles. Love isn't cuddles. Love is an action word. Love takes action. When you love someone, you tell them the truth. When you love someone, you take them out of what's destroying them. So the next time someone... Someone gets mad at you. Oh, you should be more loving and accepting of this culture. I thought you were a Christian. That's not Christ-like. Would it be love if I saw a person playing in the middle of railroad tracks, just had no concern for life, just playing? There was a train coming, and I saw it, but I thought, you know, I best not tell him because, you know, that's not Christ-like. I'm supposed to be, we're called to be nice, amen? Would that be real love? No, love goes and takes action. Love makes you do things that look wild, that look crazy, but really it's motivated by, I love you. I don't want you to go to hell. I don't want to see you destroyed. Acts chapter 3, I haven't even turned there yet. Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. Now Peter and John... We're going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. That's, that's money. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver. I have no gold. But what I do have, that means he had something. That means there was something on the inside of him. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately, everyone say immediately. His feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with him. And all the people, listen to this, all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Understand something. They knew who this man was. Oh, that's just the cripple. Oh, that's just the poor person. He's just the pauper. He's the beggar. 
You know, see, the devil wants to tear your identity down to the thing he's attacking you with. That's just the depressed person. That's just the person struggling with things. That's just the sick person. That's just the person struggling with pornography addiction, nicotine addiction. That's just the addict. But you know, God has a funny way of taking an addict and making him a preacher. God has a funny way of taking someone that people knew. I mean, there was no dispute about it. There was no, oh, I wonder who this man, no, no, no. That was him and he's not like him today. You once were a sinner. Now you're not a sinner anymore. You once were sick, but Jesus Christ changed your whole identity. I want everyone to lift your hands in this room. God is about to change your identity tonight. No longer are people going to look at you and say, addict. No longer are people going to look at you and say, sick. Devil's not going to identify your life, put a sign over your life that's never going to change. God will change your name. I pray right now in Jesus' name, anyone suffering with addiction, hear me now, addiction, the Holy Ghost has me on this, addiction, pornography addiction, nicotine addiction, addicted to drugs, maybe it's something that people don't even know. I curse that wicked devil in the name of Jesus. I curse that wicked devil in the name of Jesus. You will be free in Jesus' name. You will be free in Jesus' name. You will be free in Jesus' name. And your friends are going to look at you and say, who's that? Because number one, I said, God will burn out. The Holy Ghost first burns out, but what does he do next? He burns in. He burns in a boldness for Jesus Christ. And I want you, the next chapter, chapter four, talking about this lame man. This caused such a, a ruckus, that's like a Three Stooges word, a ruckus, what's a better word? An upheaval, such a, such a commotion in that town. That, I know, that's still an old word. <laughs> that people got angry. Religious people were mad. You know, they don't like when people get healed. You think people have your best interests at heart, but then religious people get mad when you get free. You know, they pray for, pray for people to have, you know, I, I pray that this nation turns back to God again. But when you've got altars packed with youth, well, that's emotionalism. Well, they shouldn't really be jumping that high. That's just, you know, you're just, you're acting out of your emotions. Calm down, calm down, sit in the seats, be silent, be quiet, be quiet. We don't want to hear it. Fake, religious people. That's religion. That's religion. I don't want religion. Chapter four and verse one. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, 
their rulers and elders of the scribe gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all of those of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power, by what name did you do this? Listen to this. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Now who? Peter? Peter? Can't be Peter. You mean the same Peter that denied Jesus in front of a little girl? You mean the same Peter that didn't have the boldness to say, I follow Jesus? A couple chapters later, now saying to the high priest in a loud voice, that can't be the same Peter. Peter once was a coward. But something happened on the day of Pentecost. It put a boldness in him. The fire of the Holy Ghost came on the inside of him. And now he's, he's, not, he's not timid anymore. He's not scared anymore. Now he's the boldest guy in the Bible. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means is this man being, been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, someone say burn, burn. whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now listen to this. This is what gets me shouting. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated, common men. You know, God doesn't care how old you are. God doesn't care how many bachelors you have. He doesn't care where you went to college. He's not looking for someone who's qualified. He's not looking for someone who has it all together. You know what he's looking for? Someone who's a common person, but doesn't care what their friends think. Doesn't care what the system thinks. That's going to stand up anyways and preach Jesus. And no matter what happens, I'm on his side. Got a boldness. Doesn't matter if you're 16. God will tell a, a skinny, short, 17-year-old guy from Virginia Beach to just start a crusade. That's me, by the way. <laughs> and he's, just, he's not looking for someone who's got, oh, you know, I haven't been to Bible school yet. Who cares? He's not looking for the qualified. He's looking for the willing. Are you willing? He's the eyes of the Lord search to and fro across the whole earth. He's looking for one whose heart is turned towards him. Say, look no further, Lord. You found me. He's not looking for a qualified person. He's looking for you to stand up in the fire of God and take your generation for Christ. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. 
they recognize there's something about these men that's different. There's something about these kids that are different. It's not religion. It's not knowledge. They have been with Jesus. I made up my mind. On my tombstone, I don't want it to say, Alex, PhD, he learned a bunch of great stuff, preached a lot of great things. I want people to know me. Alex, he's been with Jesus. Alex, he's been with Jesus. John, he's been with Jesus. Peter, he's been with Jesus. He marks your life with a fire that's like no other. And when your school sees you, they can say, is that you? No, that's not you. Is that you? No, that can't be you. God will turn your life around. And when you live a life consecrated to the Holy Ghost, there's not one thing that can hold you. There's not one thing that can bind you up. I want the musicians to come back. God's going to set some people free. God's going to set some people free. And hear me, parents. I don't want to say old people. People that are older than the youth. Sorry, I don't want to offend you. Don't discount this. Oh, I'm not a youth. No, no, no. Everyone needs the fire. Everyone needs a touch from God. And if, you're, if you'll drop your pride and say, God, I need you to touch me. You know, there's a song going around. I was talking to Pastor Charlie in the green room. There's a song that goes like this. I really hate it. It goes like this. Sorry if this is like on your playlist, but it goes, I'm not here for blessings. And people are crying while they're singing it. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. I'm not here for blessings. Jesus, you don't owe me. Gee, I wish you'd tell Jacob. Jacob, the one who said, Lord, I won't leave you until you bless me. I wish he just had a revelation of God's grace, that it's really not about what, how God can bless you. Don't wonder about if God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. He wants to touch you. But it's not up to him anymore. It's up to you. Are you willing to carry the fire? Are you willing to be set free? What do you want from the Lord tonight? What do you want from the Lord tonight? Don't let this pass you by and say, oh, that was a nice service. If you're leaving, if you're here bound by something, chances are I mention it by name because I just mentioned everything, something that you're not supposed to do anymore because it makes people uncomfortable. If you're bound with something, don't leave here bound. Don't leave here sick. It only takes one touch from the Holy Spirit. One touch to turn your whole life around until people will look at you and say, that's not even the same person. I believe the fire of God is about to sweep through this place, sweep through this atmosphere. And those who were once prisoners are going to be set free. Lift your hands, everybody. If you, if you can pray in the spirit, pray in the spirit.
Rosto Timbaramande. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, we're thankful. We're thankful that you'll set us free. We thank you that you're burning a fire in us tonight that will never go out. Stop right there. Stop right there. You know, they said these days were over where people aren't hungry for Jesus anymore. Fresh fire of the Holy Ghost come upon it tonight. Come on, press in, press in. Don't look at someone else and say, oh, that's nice. You have to be willing, willing to be touched, willing to be changed. You can sing something. You know, you've got a hunger, and you know you've got a hunger. God said, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Tonight, God's filling you with a fire that you can look back and say, that's the night God marked me. That's the night God called me. That's the night God touched me. That's the night he filled me with the fire of the Holy Ghost. Fire of the Holy Ghost. That's the night where God marked me. That's the night where he changed me. That's the night where he healed me. Tonight, tonight, tonight. Hallelujah. He brandos de he. Ronto se pirakandi. Rondo se pirakan. This generation's not going to hell. I said, this generation's not going to hell. Jesus Christ died for this generation. Not going to let the devil have the satisfaction of one more suicide, of one more addict. Your name will never be on a prescription pill bottle. Your name's going to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the devil's crap. Excuse, excuse that word. God's going to touch you. Keep pressing in. Keep pressing in. Well, welcome back from that live service. Man, I could still feel the anointing, just how God moved so powerfully in, uh, in that service. And I'm so grateful to God that he showed up, you know, as he always does, and that Pastor Brian Tomes um, was faithful to, uh, to have me in and such a great experience, such a great opportunity and so many people. I mean, I know you don't have the video, but the altar was packed full of young people. 20 to 30 young people were packed at that altar and the whole, the whole building was packed full of people just getting free, getting filled with the Holy Spirit, being saved, about 20 salvations. It was, it was a powerful night. It was a very powerful night. Thank you so much for, uh, tuning into that service. Now, 
By the way, I want you to keep up with what's going on at The Last Gen because, because we've got a ton of great interviews coming with great people that I'm so excited about. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. I'm so pumped about these. We're going to have different kind of content coming out in the next month, two months. So stay tuned. Stay up to date on our Instagram, the.last.gen. I love you guys so much. If you have any questions, shoot it over to the.last.gen. I love you. I'll check back in with you later. Thank you.